Beyond the Fence Line, a podcast brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Created by landowners for landowners, we're proud to play a role in conserving the Texas legacy of wide open spaces. Well, welcome to our sixth episode here on Beyond the Fence Line, uh, hosted by Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Uh, this episode, we have Dr. Mariah Johnson, the Senior Director of Sustainability Research for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Thanks for joining us, uh, Mariah. Thanks for having me, Chad. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited on this, this conversation with you, Mariah. I mean, as you know, you're kind of one of my most favorite people in, in the in the world. And so it's uh always enjoy these conversations we have. Um you know, when we think about your job with NCBA around sustainability, that's that's your work all day, every day. So that says something about, you know, really, I think the sustainability space, and it's just not a trend. It's a focus for a lot of the industry. So can you tell us a little bit about how we got here? I think that's a good question, Chad, and um, I think you know you know my past well. And sometimes I, I even wonder how did how did I get here, <laughs> working on sustainability. Um, you know, and you and I have had several conversations throughout time around sustainability and what that means and what it looks like. And you know, I think some of the things that we've drawn on before, you know, when we've talked about it, is 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 not something new. And I think it's had several different names over time. And, you know, so probably almost 100 years ago, you could say the roots of sustainability got a start with the word conservation. And when we came out of the Dust Bowl and and focusing on different elements and soil conservation, um, and then really as we moved a few decades forward, um, it probably then picked up the term of environmentalism um, and just looking at the environment in general. And then it's continued to morph its way until probably, you know, the 90s or the 2000s when the word sustainability really came around. Now, I think, you know, sustainability as a term itself um, probably is a little bit more broad than what, you know, focusing on just the environment or just conservation is. And, you know, there was probably even a time um, back when I was an undergraduate student really hearing about sustainability for the first time, I thought, man, this is a fad, you know, surely this will go away. Um, But it certainly hasn't. and I don't think it will. And it's something that's that's here to stay. Um, Because I think, you know, at the at the base of it, you know, we're here to feed people on this planet. And so when we think about feeding nine or 10 billion people by 2050, and um, people want to make sure that we do that in a way that will allow us to continue on is not just going to deplete all of our natural resources on the earth. And so really they're talking about wanting to be sustainable, right? You know, that we still have food for generations even after we're gone. And so I think those are, are many of the ways in which sustainability has um, been brought forward and has transformed and changed over time. You know, I think one of the great things right into the conversation around sustainability, um, you know, is producers, you know, being, you know, at the table, right, and part of the conversation and, and actually leading into it. And I think that's, you know, really important. That's what I appreciate about NCBA of, you know, uh, fully committed into the conversation, you know, having your position and other per- positions within 
the National Cattle Beef Association around sustainability to, to work throughout the whole industry. You know, we have, um, you know, other ranchers that are, you know, fully involved in that conversation. You know, Bob McCann, who's one of TALT's, you know, board members is the president of the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. And, you know, I think those things are really, really important. Um, you know, and it's great to see the culture really embracing this value of sustainability um, and the unique work, you know, role that really working lands play in, con in conservation. Um, can you talk to us, you know, about the importance of the cattle in this dialogue of, about sustainability? Absolutely. You know, I think um, your counterparts out in California with the California Rangeland Trust, they actually used a pretty neat term that I've kind of liked to steal here recently. Um, in a study they had commissioned, they talked about cattle being the protector of grasslands. And that's a phrase that I think just sums it up so nicely when we're thinking about um, conservation and the, and the role that cattle play. I think, you know, for many Americans who may not be familiar with production agriculture, you know, they see cattle as just taking from the environment um, and taking those natural resources and don't really see cattle as being part of the cycle. But that's really what uh, cattle are, is they're part of a, a natural cycle that's um, existed for millions of years. And they also helped, as I mentioned, to protect um, the grasslands and our natural resources. And so they can help um, you know, protect our biodiversity. They can help to um, improve carbon sequestration. They can reduce fuel loads to reduce the, the chances of catastrophic wildfires. Cattle provide weed control. They aid in soil health and providing wildlife habitat. And so um, you know, that's just a number of ways in which cattle are really beneficial um, to, to the landscape. And I think, you know, those things are easily forgotten because we think about cattle as just being beef, right? They're just a product that we eat and that we consume at the end of the day. And we don't stop to think about all the things that cattle do along the way as well. Um, you know, so talking about more specifically on some of that biodiversity, there have been um, countless research studies showing that there's a wide variety of plants and wildlife, um, including endangered species, um, which I don't think we often think about, um, have adapted to and depend on the grazing and management practices of livestock. Cattle can remove those non-native species um, that would smother the native species in their habitats. They help protect against woody encroachment and just a number of things that are, are significant for protecting those native biotic communities. And so, you know, I think too, a lot of our critics like to point that to that cattle take up a lot of land, but they don't really think about that cattle are, are usually residing on non-arable lands. So that means that's land that's not suitable to crop production. Um, and so if we, if we took the cattle off those lands, all those lands are not just going to be converted over to nature preserves or, or national parks or anything like that. Um, I think the biggest threat and one threat that you really opened my eyes to several years ago when I was just beginning my career, Chad, um, was really that of land fragmentation. You know, looking at some of the work that had been done there in Texas, and then again, looking at that study recently commissioned by California Rangeland Trust, um, you know, where they have investigated some of those impacts and um, what land fragmentation looks like. 
And so, you know, there are several examples of places, um, you know, where millions of acres have been converted from agriculture to urban development, you know, since the 1980s and before. And when those lands are converted, you know, we're no longer getting the carbon sequestration out of those lands. We've broken up wildlife, um, you know, migratory pathways, you know, we're doing some real damage when, when that land gets converted, um, you know, for, for those urban areas. And that's not something we get back either, as you well know. And so, you know, I think it's really important to think about cattle as being beyond the beef. You know, we know that cattle produce, you know, leather for our shoes or purses or whatever it may be, and other byproducts from pharmaceutical, pharmaceuticals to cosmetics to even, um, you know, heart valves that can be used in, in human heart surgeries, you know, helping to save lives. So really cattle are an amazing, amazing animal um, that do so much more than um, just nourish us with this, with this lean meat product. Um, but they also protect the grasslands and they're also providing many other resources that we as humans need. Uh, I think you articulated that, you know, amazing. And I think, you know, you had the, the other dynamics, right, of, you know, the people are, you know, getting further and further removed from agriculture and understanding those connectivities, I, I think is another, you know, important way of how we articulate um, and educate folks, you know, for, for those importance. You know, you kind of mentioned, you know, one of the components of this life cycle assessment that looks at the cattle's footprint from cradle to grave. Um, can you explain a little bit more why that's so important? Yeah, um, so really when we think about sustainability, I'm gonna back up a little here. There's, there's three main aspects to sustainability. And so we've been talking pretty heavy on one of them here and that would be the environmental component. There's also the economic and the social components of sustainability as well. And so when we think about um, benchmarking or looking at what the sustainability of a product is, it's important to look across um, those three areas. And so a life cycle assessment would be one way to measure the environmental impact or environmental sustainability of a product. And so that life cycle analysis um, allows us to understand total cradle to grave impacts of a good or service. And so by cradle to grave, really what we mean is from the time an animal is born until that time that beef is consumed on our plate. What's the impact that whole entire way? And so those LCAs look at things like emissions, energy use, water, water use, and a variety of other impact categories. And so, you know, use as much as anyone else, you know, knows and has helped to share the message that in order for us to be able to continue to improve as an industry, we have to know where we're at in terms of, you know, where our impact is today. And so it's kind of like, you know, taking, you know, a test in school or, you know, taking any sort of self-assessment along the way. If I take this today and I grade myself and I see, well, here I am at point X, then I can look and see, you know, well, what can I do differently? What can I potentially improve on? What things am I already doing pretty well? And so that serves as a baseline or a benchmark to say, okay, now I want to get over here to point Y in the future. How do I make that happen? And so then we can work on those things in a few years. We can come back and we can measure that again and see, you know, how did I do? How, how have I made improvement over this point, these period of years? 
And as we continue to do that, we can continue to grow as an industry. And so I think that's what, why having something like the life cycle assessment is so important is because it allows us to, to mark where we're at and to have that growth in a place to focus on. Yeah, you know, to build upon that, you know, Mariah, you know, the economic pillar of sustainability really tells a, you know, this critical story for talks. You know, that cattle are truly worth more than just pounds of beef. Um, can you dive in or tell us a little bit more of some research uh, expanding on this economic uh, thoughts? So in conjunction, actually, with the last life cycle assessment that was commissioned out of the Sustainability Research Program at NCBA, um, we also commissioned an economic impact report. You know, so again, like I said, with, an, with environmental and LCA is one way to measure um, our environmental impact. An economic impact report is one way in which we can um, start to get a grasp or a handle on what our economic sustainability is. And so this forthcoming economic impact report um, was again done in conjunction with the latest LCA, which was great because these two studies will match up and you know, we'll really be able to look at things more holistically with the two of them. But in this economic impact report, you know, the way to think about, um, about this report is to say, you know, what sort of impact does the beef industry have on our nation as a whole to our economy? as well as to those regional and local economies. So it tracks things like if I, as a producer, I go into the feed store and I buy some feed, so I've spent my dollars there. Then those dollars are used to, in turn, pay an employee there who might then, in turn, go out to dinner at a restaurant in their community, or they might go to the dentist or seek other services, goods and services. And how those dollars multiply and go through the economy and how they help to and drive the economy that they are a part of. And so I think that's something that's really important to capture is to understand how, how the beef industry um, really drives those local economies. Because I think, you know, in being part of rural economies, you know, we can look and see that, you know, we know that beef helps to drive these areas, but to have some numbers to put to that is also really important. And so in that forthcoming report, um, we, they found that the U.S. beef production and processing generated over $167 billion in gross sales and that they supported a labor force of more than 721,000 workers across the U.S. We generated over $10 billion in wages and $30 billion in total value added. So that's things like employee compensation, proprietary income, returns to capital, and taxes to our national economy. So that's really huge. And I think when we put some of those numbers in perspective, you know, there's thousands of industries across the U.S. And so, um, you know, it can seem small or like a, a drop in the bucket. But even when we're looking within just, say, the agricultural industry, beef is one is the leading um, commodity, um, you know, industry in many of these ag areas and supporting um, our nation. And so, you know, I think the bottom line, the message here is if we take the beef industry away or if it just disappears overnight somehow, um, that would hurt and that would be felt because the beef industry really helps to drive um, the economy in much of this great nation. And so I think it's important, you know, that we have numbers and that we know that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I, I mean, excellent points, I think, from that, uh, you know, um, you know, I think one of the things that's important for us is, right, is, and we, I think the public doesn't understand, right, from, from a ranching and landowner perspective is, you know, we're trying to run a business and stay in business and this, you know, we have to be economical first, right, to, to stay in business. If we're not, you know, all of those other pillars of around sustainability, you know, they're really gone and, and it, we, we can't ever address them. Um, you know, when we think about land stewards, landowners, you know, we're really custodians, I would say, Mariah, of two goods, right? This private good, um, you know, which is the beef, right, from that perspective and food and fiber. And, and then those that public good perspective that you've talked about of, you know, these ecosystem services of carbon sequestration and water quality and open space. And, you know, we can go on and on. Um, do you think we'll, we'll get to a point, we have to find ways to incentivize these landowners. Do you think there's, you know, we're getting closer to a time where we have some free market uh, solutions to pay for, you know, these ecosystem service markets maybe uh, arise as a, as a tool, another tool in the toolbox. I know that's, that's something that myself and Talt are really looking at uh, finding this. Uh, I mean, what's your perspective on that? Well, Chad, funny you should ask me that. I almost think uh, maybe I should ask you that question. You know, you've done about as much work in this area as anybody I know. Um, you know, so much of my perspective comes from, you know, spending time with you, being around with you and working with you um, when we were both at Noble. But, you know, I certainly hope, you know, that we're approaching a time where we can reward these producers um, for everything that they truly provide. Um, you know, like we've talked about, you know, cattle are providing so much more than just the beef, just that, you know, kind of single commodity that we're getting um, paid for as producers, but, um, you know, offering, you know, being the protector of, of grasslands. And so I think if we can find a way um, to incentivize and to reward producers for, you know, the, the care that they take there, um, you know, that can really help to diversify um, and to grow, uh, you know, a producer's portfolio, really, of the things that they're offering. I think the, the hard part, right, you know, and even from an economics background, coming from that perspective, it's hard to put a value on those things. You know, they talk about in, in the economics world having, you know, non-market valuation, and, and that's a fancy term, but that's kind of where we're at, is a lot of these things like carbon or taking care of our water or grass, those aren't, aren't traded in a market. You don't go to the store and buy, um, you know, water, water purification. Um, you know, those are things that just inherently happen. And that's what makes it so hard, you know, to put, put a value on it. And, and because there's a lot of biological processes that go with that as well. Um, you know, and so it's tough. And, you know, and there have been attempts before, you know, we haven't been able to make it work. But I hope, you know, with each iteration, we keep pushing forward and that, um, you know, at some point we do make it there as well. Yeah, I think we're getting closer, right, of being able to, to tie this connectivity um, of, those, of those goods that are produced, you know, up, up the value chain to these corporations to meet some of those sustainability goals that they, 
you know, have it forth. And, and I think it's ways of, as you said, kind of keep stacking these, these services and, and incentives um, to kind of help move, you know, to help move us forward. You know, I think I always kind of think of, you know, really kind of comes to me as Aldo Leopold, right? Our, our, our father of conservation and, and wildlife, you know, he kind of had that one quote that always resonates to me, right? Is, you know, conservation will ultimately, you know, boil down to rewarding the private landowner who conserves the public interest. And I think, you know, we're getting to that point and aligning and, and things are aligning where that becomes reality and which is exciting, I, I think for us uh, as landowners of having some other opportunities in there. Uh, so Mariah, I mean, what's what's next? I mean, what are some other things you're particularly curious about and working on? As I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, there's those three pillars or three facets, however you want to look at it to uh, sustainability, and that being environmental, which we've certainly talked on, um, economic, which we've spent some time talking on now as well. Um, but the one that we haven't really hit on much yet is, is the social side. And I think that's the one that's probably the most confusing to people or most nebulous, um, you know, because it's hard when you hear the word social sustainability. Well, there's not really a whole lot of context there for, for what that means. And so when we think about social, you know, some of the things that might encompass is, is things like worker safety or providing jobs or ways in which we, um, you know, farmers and ranchers give back to their community or tourism, recreation, um, open space, cultural values um, and ways of life. And so those are all important aspects of sustainability as well. And so that's an area, you know, that in this uh, sustainability research program that, that we're working to dive into, because I think to really look at so the sustainability of beef, we have to understand that aspect and we have to be able to pair that with the, with the environmental and the economic side in order to have that really complete picture about what the sustainability of our, of our product is. And so, you know, in the most recent um, round of funding that we had um, within the sustainability research program, we actually funded three uh, social sustainability research, research projects. And so, you know, I think this is really an opportunity here with these projects and with future projects um, for the beef industry to define what is social sustainability to us. Because when we look around at social sustainability in the literature, kind of from in the scientific space, um, a lot of that work has been done in a more corporate sense. Very little of it has been done in agriculture. And what of it that has been done in agriculture very rarely has it touched or even looked or considered beef. Um, you know, so there's not there's not much guidance out there in some ways. And so I think this is a real opportunity for us to come in and say, you know what, this is, this is what it means for, for our industry. And that's what those researchers are aiming to do is to look at some of that research different areas and to say, you know, how can we apply this to the beef industry and what fits here? And so a couple of those um, projects are shorter term projects that should be done here in about a year. Um, or a little less, and so they'll they'll put together some kind of draft indicators or um, you know measurements of what that lo might look like, and then really that third project um, is also going to go out and survey 
um, producers across the U.S. And so they'll incorporate some of the findings from these early research studies and go out and look at things like community security in these, in these ranching communities um, and, and to test out these potential indicators and say, you know, do these really work? Are these a fit? Um, and is this, is this telling us, um, you know, kind of the information we were looking for or what we were after? And so I think that would be important, you know, and I really appreciate that, you know, multiple of these um, projects, whether it's the larger one with the survey or even these shorter ones, will be interacting with uh, farmers and ranchers throughout, you know, so it's not just a, a textbook approach and going and saying, you know, here's what theory says, but it's actually going out and interacting with, um, you know, the people who are living it every day and saying, you know, is this what social, social sustainability looks like in, in your space and in your community? And so having that, that feedback into the development of these products as well. You know, a, a couple of the things and the things I hope we can continue to bring to life, you know, they're also in the social sustainability realm. Um, NCBA had a cattleman stewardship review back in 2017, and there's a few elements from that that hopefully will um, paint a little bit clearer picture on social sustainability, but they, they found, um, you know, a few different things, and that's that farmers and ranchers, um, in general, more than one-third of them, or 39%, donate their time to other civic organizations in their communities, and that's compared to a national average of only 7%. Over one half have run for an elected office. We know that um, these folks serve, um, you know, youth organizations on school boards, church boards, um, whatever it might be. And that a lot of them, far more than the national average, are military veterans as well. And so there's a lot of things and a lot of ways in which farmers and ranchers give back, whether it's with their time or with their money and are really building and supporting their local communities, you know, and I think that's something that's, that's really important that we want to show, and that is um, something that we can highlight and sure have to be proud of in the beef industry. Uh, I, you know, hats off to you, Mariah. I mean, you know, my kind of pet peeve and kind of philosophy is around usable science, right, of thinking of the end user, you know, through that, and, and you're definitely tackling this component, especially the social side and is, you know, bringing the producer in there, being part of that research, looking, making sure you're looking through their lens in that context, um, you know, which is important. It's, it's, it's important in the dialogue and truly understanding. And I think that's why, you know, I think when we think about, you know, step back 20 years ago and kind of the sustainability piece was coming, you know, the producers were left out of that conversation. And that's where I think some of the skepticism becomes. And, and I think where some of the dialogue can change that, you know, from landowners and land stewards were definitely solutions, right? To all of these, these environmental issues and things that we're talking at. So uh, I appreciate you taking that usable science approach and all your work. Um, you know, with that, I guess, Mariah, where, where can our listeners here access, you know, all of this, these research and, things that you've talked about today. To learn more and to, and to gather some of these resources, I would just encourage people to go to beefresearch.org. So again, that's www.beefresearch.org. 
S-E-A-R-C-H.org. Um, and so that's actually a, you know, a NCBA or, you know, Beef Research Commons Beef Board sponsored website. Um, and you can find all of the research from, you know, the four research programs at NCBA, whether that's sustainability, product quality, um, meat safety, or um, human nutrition, all right there. And so that website is actually undergoing an upgrade. And so that will be updated in just a few weeks. So I'm really excited um, for people to come check out, you know, the new look of beef research and should be able to find materials much more, more easily. And, but for every single research project we do, we put a project summary on beef research um, after it's completed. So all the work we've ever done is there as well as some other, um, you know, kind of white papers or fact sheets on different topics. And, you know, those can be found there and some more in-depth kind of tough Q&A um, type questions and answers as well. So it really has a, a wealth of information there for any, any questions you might have. Thanks, thanks, Mariah. Um, you know, what else would you like to add to the conversation or any final thoughts? You know, final thoughts that would probably be just kind of trying to put around a, a bow around everything we've talked about today. And, you know, so we've talked about cattle being, you know, so much more than the nutrient rich, high quality protein, you know, those steaks that um, we all love to, to eat. But the cattle offers so much more. They offer protection, you know, for ecosystem services, biodiversity, carbon sequestration. Um, all of those kind of conservation or environmental benefits that we've discussed being the protector of grasslands, but they're also helping, you know, to drive our U.S. economy, whether that's on a local, regional, or a national level. And then also, um, you know, that our, our producers, our farmers and ranchers are integral parts of their community and that they are continually giving back and they are the backbones of these rural areas in which they live. And so beef is really important to our national and our local well-being. And so, you know, just really encouraging people, you know, that when they think about beef, think about more than just the beef. So with that, Chad, that's really all I have. And I just um, so much appreciate you asking me to be on and to have a chance to catch up and visit with you. It's been good, like always, and um, look forward to it again sometime. Yeah, thanks, Mariah. As, as, uh... As you know, I always enjoy the conversations and, you know, we've, we've had a lot of great conversations and I think, you know, I think the exciting thing, you know, you, we sit back and think about our, these, these conversations we've had over the years, um, you know, we've, we've taken these conversations and we've actually moved them to action and, and helped a lot of these thoughts, right, of brainstorming and, and thinking, what can we do to help the industry and help help producers we've we've put into action and I think that's that's what's exciting and, and encouraging and exciting I, I think for for my perspective and I know other landowners of of NCBA and you being part of NCBA and helping move this dialogue and uh, you know helping find solutions for us so thank you thanks again for for joining us uh today um you know everyone uh you know I think had a, a you know, please kind of join us for our next episode, uh, number seven. You know, we're going to bring a little different tactic, I think, on the next podcast. We're really going to uh, bring partners to really discuss, I would say, the, the year end and review, right? And we think about 2020, it's, it's been challenging for all of us. It's, 
it's been challenging for Talt, right? We've had a leadership uh, transition with Blair to myself and, and then having to fight with COVID. But through that, we've been extremely resilient. We're, we're going to probably have the best year we've ever had um, from a easement and conservation work from TALT. And so we're going to bring together some of those uh, landowners and have some conversation of, of what the impact means to them and to us and, and to all Texans. So look forward to everybody enjoy, uh, joining us on our next episode. Uh, till then, have a blessed one. Thank you. Beyond the Fence Line is brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust, dedicated to conserving the Texas heritage of agricultural lands, wildlife habitats, and natural resources. Find out more at txaglandtrust.org.